mm-hmm. uh, they were being persecuted because in a lot of ways it was a cult. I like to refer to it as a diet cult. Um, people who are angrier with after leaving call it a full-on cult, and people who are pretty chill after they've left don't call it a cult at all. They call it a like, not-great-religion. So I refer to it as a diet cult. Like, if you want to be in a cult, but not really, there's a good place to start. You know, dip your toe in. <laughs> dip your toe in. Yeah. So anyway, back to the 1850s. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is the Identity Theft Podcast, where we talk about growing up to be people we never thought we'd meet. My name is River. I use he, him pronouns. And I'm Sabrina. I use she, her, or they pronouns. This is a podcast about investigating identity because it's something that we both find really intensely interesting, especially as we've been going through our college careers. We're based out of Vancouver, BC. So it was originally your idea that we start this podcast. So what was your sort of inciting incident that made you think about this? I realized that in the past six months to a year, my life has changed drastically. And I've had to basically replan everything that I want to do. And most of that was because I realized that the identity that I was growing into was in many ways entirely different from the one that my parents always taught me that I would be. Over the past six months, I've really had to figure out who I was and who I wanted to be. And I've had to take back who I am from what was planned for me. So it's mostly an act of reclamation on my part because of everything that my parents expected me to become. That's absolutely fair. I think career-wise and like a lot of life-wise, I'm pretty bang on for what my parents expected. My gender identity is a bit of a curveball, as it tends to be. And it's been, as someone who's 21, I feel like we're in a very unique position identity-wise because when you come out of high school, you know who you are in like a really strong way. And that's really been incredibly in flux for me. And that was yeah. part, of the, part of the reason why I broke up with my ex-boyfriend is because mm-hmm. he didn't know where, who he was and he was really struggling with his identity. And that was something that he had to work through. And that's something with my current boyfriend that we're really working through is identity versus parental expectations Mm -hmm. and realizing that you're growing into somebody who you never thought you'd meet is very, very interesting and incredibly terrifying, incredibly terrifying. And there's like a lot of parallel yous out there. Mm -hmm. And we're also being forced to investigate our identity pretty thoroughly as part of our career, because as artists, our identity is very intrinsically tied to what we make especially as like branding and marketing and client appeal yeah branding marketing client appeal and also i find that all of my artwork that i make especially last year was very very attached to who i am as a person and what my values are so i'm really looking forward to investigating the my values and investigating my life choices and sort of thinking about it and talking through it because there's just like when you think about you yourself you realize that there's so many different little puzzle pieces that come mm-hmm. to, that come into it. Like I'm 21, I go to art school. I'm born in Vancouver, but I was raised in a different part of British British Columbia. I have a partner. I see myself as an older brother, but also a younger brother. And like there are so many different yous that exist mm-hmm. in everybody else's minds and in every interaction you have with a different person. Some of my me's, I suppose, would be daughter, sister, friend, partner. But for me, a lot of it isn't so much what's happening with me in relation to other people, but what's happening to me in relation to what I had planned for myself because I was raised in a conservative Christian environment, specifically a Mormon one, where I was raised to believe that there were several very specific steps you did with your life, and that was it, and that was all. And in the past year, I have become very agnostic, and 
I've become less heteronormative and less gendered. And those are things that are very much baked into the culture that I was raised in. And so deciding who I am outside of that, which was, which had rules for basically every aspect of my life has been very much a journey. Mm-hmm. In like the last week, I'd have to say that my life changed a lot. Like you sort of know what I've been through, but and I'll spare the dirty details, but I broke up with my partner of two years, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And I am now with a new partner because, and we are now monogamous as opposed to polyamorous, which was the situation we were in before. But realizing that like, who I am was very intrinsically at- tied to this person growing apart and the whole like the whole thing about it and the whole gambit and realizing that your life can change forever in one day, especially because mm-hmm. like this guy that I was with really, really was very special to me and I was very special to him. And, but we just knew that it wasn't going to work out, not with where everything was right now. Mm-hmm. And we had at one point really wanted a long term future together, but realizing that that's not what I wanted anymore. And that that's like a thing that just can't happen with the way that we, where we are in our lives right now was very, very hard to sort of come to terms with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just insane how your life can change forever in a day and how your identity can change with just a new thought that had never occurred to you before. Yeah. So investigating identity is something that we're really interested in, Yeah, which um, is a very special specific but kind of unique topic for our demographic in particular and i think mostly the two of us just have a lot to work through and we're willing to put it online so why not willing to put it online and make a showcase out of it um and be like that's fine here this is my garbage fire that is my life oh goodness gracious here's my garbage fire that is my life (laughs) let's keep warm together let's (laughs) let's get here's the garbage fire that is my life let's keep warm together that's exactly that's our tagline yeah <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say my break from identity is longer term. Like I said, it took me about a year and a half to realize that maybe being Mormon isn't my bag. Yeah, and I can't imagine how big of a flux that must have been. Growing up, there were rules for basically every aspect of my life: um, money, clothes, food, what you consumed, what media you consumed, partners, uh, sex, sexuality, gender, God. language, hair everything and then like realizing that none of it is something you want to do i was always taught from the age of eight that i would grow up to be a wife and a mother and now i don't know what i want i don't think i want kids i'm not gonna get married anytime soon definitely but, not but in the last year i know a dozen people who have gotten married oh and my they're God. all and the oldest of them was 22 <laughs> The, uh, the same week of my graduation from high school, I had two wedding receptions for a class. No way. Totally. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you can't oh. see the face that I'm making right now, but it is pure shock. Pure shock. <laughs> so here's, yeah. And here's another example of how my life has changed. Over the summer, I was working at a warehouse which was owned by a um, Mormon man. Oh, delightful. He was kind of an ass, but that's oh, yeah. mostly because he was my boss more than anything. And Most bosses are kind of asses. Yeah, like apart from it. But the thing was that everyone at the warehouse basically was Mormon. And mostly it was like manual labor and summer was the busy season. So it was mostly a lot of college kids my age. And all nice kids. I've known them for a long time, since high school. Lovely people. But the thing is, one girl, I hadn't seen her in 18 months because she had served a mission for the church and she was in Nicaragua. For 18 months. I didn't know that women did missions. Yes, it's optional for women. It's more of a duty for men. Ah. Men go at the age of 18 and they serve for two years. 
you don't have to go right when you're 18. You can you have between like 18 and 25 to choose, but it's more of a priesthood duty, and it's two years. And women, it's a larger window. If you're not married, you can go basically anytime you want, and it's 18 months. But other than that, the duties that you have on your mission are generally like the same. There are some like gendered things when it comes to administration and organization that's very misogynistic and very much like male centered. But other than that, if you don't have any authority over anyone else in the mission, your duties are the same as anyone else's. Okay. So that's what she had been doing for 18 months. But we had graduated together. We had gone to the same high school. And whereas I had chosen to go to college, she had chosen to serve a mission. Fine, whatever. But we were catching up and she had just finished up like one semester at her school and she had, it's a Mormon school and she had met a guy. He lived like two hours south of us. So they got to see each other fairly often, but they had known each other for less than six months since basically the semester started. And he had promised to marry her. And she was very excited for that. I don't know what they were waiting for particularly. It's none of my business. But she wasn't married yet. But she had known him for less than six months. And her plan was to get married to him. <gasps> they were engaged to be engaged. Yes. <sighs> and so we were sitting at lunch and talking. And she's like, so what are you up to? And I'm like, well, I'm about to enter my fourth year of school. And she's like, do you have a boyfriend? And I was like, yes, I do. And she, <laughs> Which like is assumed when you're a homophobic organization. But, but then Fair. she asked how long have you guys been dating? And I said, a year. And this is unheard of. My brother knew his wife for nine months on the day of their marriage. And they had been engaged for three, I believe. So that, so I have, I've been dating my, my guy for a year at this point. She said, Oh, what word does he go to? Like what congregation does he attend? And I'm like, Oh, he's Catholic. Her jaw hit the floor. She was like, Oh, and actually, that's the, that's the like, dumbed down version. Not that she's dumb or anything, but I didn't want to shock her too terribly much. He's not Catholic anymore. He doesn't really believe in God either. But I wasn't going to say, oh, he's agnostic. I wasn't gonna you weren't going to break atheist. her a little heart like that and like no. shatter. <laughs> but then she didn't really know where to go from there. Because like, the next question would have been, you guys planning on getting married? Have you talked about having kids? Blah, 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 blah. Answer, no. And no, not relevant. Not so, relevant when you're still going to school and, like, he's trying to, like, you know, he's doing his own thing. True. Also, it's very relevant if you're Mormon. It's extremely relevant if you're Mormon, but yeah. otherwise. A lot of the pressure that I felt as far as, like, go to school, get a husband, have kids as soon as possible was more societal and cultural. My parents individually were are incredibly respectful of the fact that I'm not planning on getting married, of the fact that I'm not dating a Mormon. And Which is pretty skookum considering that like... Oh, very, very, very. Because if I had, for say, my parents' parents, if I was being raised by my father's parents, I don't know what they would do. My grandfather specifically said that the only place to get somebody who's worthy to be married is at a Mormon college. Oh. And plot twist, none of his kids married anyone from BYU. That's funny. But <laughs> yeah. So I'm very lucky in that my parents are very chill, but I haven't really told them that I'm not Mormon anymore. So they're chill under false assumptions. Chill under false assumptions. Yeah. So that's a good name for a band. Yes. <laughs> next project, start a band. Start a, next project, start a band. I can kind of play the ukulele shitty. I that's can't like can't <laughs> play anything. My mom wanted me to do piano lessons and I kept and screamed and cried until she let me quit. I played piano when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those that's a preview of all the assumptions I lived under and now don't. And now there's nothing anymore. So my identity is very like 
scattered. Mm -hmm. I'm very hinged on being from British Columbia. I have a huge identity tie to where I grew up in Bella Bella. Um, My identity is very interesting because I grew up in an indigenous community. I'm an adopted member of the Celtic Nation, but I'm not indigenous. Mm -hmm. So my perspective is, in a lot of ways, null and void, which is fair. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fair. White people don't know anything. so I mean, I know I don't. No, yeah. So I have like a lot of interesting thoughts about what it was like to grow up as a minority in a minority culture. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where I'm coming from. And my background is being the only white kid in my school. With, the only white kid aside from my brother in my high school. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a teacher. So mm-hmm. that's like an interesting kind of energy to mm-hmm. grow up with. Yeah. And to the point. But the thing is, though, I lived there for nine years. So people forgot that I was white, even though right. I look very white. <laughs> Yes. It's just because there's like a lot of people who are sort of mixed race or who um, are just, I don't know, just West Coast indigenous people sometimes are just very pale. Nobody knows why. It's just like that. Well, probably because there's so little sun to be had. That might be it. I I don't know. That's why Europeans are white. Yeah, that's true. There's not a lot of sun in in Bella Bella. So that's entirely possible. That's why. Um, But it's, you know, so people forgot. Yeah. And my other background is that my identity is very tied to being queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like to spend a sort of a lot of a lot of time like being introspective and thinking about thinking about myself, not in like an egotistical way, but just I like to sort of tell stories and connect to people, and that's a really big part of my identity. Trying so. to figure stuff out. Trying to figure stuff out. Like I like to really sort of philosophize about my position in the world. I draw lots of little comics about like my perspectives on life and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit more about like any specific facet of your queer identity? Uh, I mean, obviously you don't have to. I'm but. just trying to. No, I'm just trying to think about. Um, I'm a trans man. Um, mm-hmm. That was just something that I'm still kind of coming to terms with in a lot of ways. I've been on testosterone for eight for six months. Congrats. Um, thank you very much. You're it's, welcome. Yeah, it's pretty much six months, almost to the day. I am bisexual. I identified as non-binary for a very long time. Um, for probably about almost two years. I yeah, for nearly the entire time I've known you. Yeah, yeah, like I was definitely out as non-binary when I met you. Oh, yeah. Another part of my identity is sort of going from the mentality of being a kid who grew up in the countryside to being someone who lives in the city now. Mm-hmm. And I have lots of sort of thoughts about what it's like to return home after, return home to a small town after being away and changing your name and identity and like how weird that feels. Oh, because everyone knows you by your dead name. Yeah, because yeah. that's it's a very odd sensation yeah and i also have an adopted older sister who Mm -hmm. is indigenous my younger brother is quite close to me in age he's three years younger than me and it was very kind of very isolated way that i grew up being especially because i was identified by the people i was close to Mm -hmm. i was jackie's younger sibling i was sawyer's older sibling i was my mom's kid i was my dad's i was the teacher's kid so it's a very odd way of growing up and now that i'm here and i'm completely isolated from everyone that i knew and like all those familial connections it was very odd to carve out my own self in vancouver as opposed to like which is something that you probably experienced too yes because I'm from the States. I'm from Seattle specifically and the Midwest, Indiana before that. I grew up also feeling fairly isolated, not because I grew up in a place that was sparse in population, but because the community that I grew up in, the conservative Christian community very I grew insular. up in. It was very insular, yes. Our entire social life was pretty much derived from it. A huge time commitment. Uh, for instance, as an example, during high school, I went to youth group 
for about two hours on Wednesday nights. I went to church for three hours every Sunday. There, uh, about twice a month, there was some kind of half-day activity on Saturdays, sometimes a full-day activity, but it wasn't unheard of. And then every morning before school, I had a seminary class, which was a like a scripture study class, other high school kids mm -hmm. for an hour. So overall, I spent about 15 hours in church and doing church-related things. Which must be super weird now that that's no longer a part of your life. It's very strange, but yeah, it's a talking point more than anything. <laughs> it's like, I grew up like this. It was batshit. And the other thing is that my family's connection to any of their history, to any of their heritage, is all tied up in the fact that they're Mormon for generations deep on both sides. For instance, in early Mormon history, um, in the 1850s, pre-Civil War, they moved from the western edge of Illinois, which was already like frontier land at the time, mm -hmm. to Utah, which technically was a Mexican territory, but had no oversight. And so they essentially started their own theocracy. My family's history is more tied up in the fact that they went from Illinois to Utah with the saints than anything else. So now yeah. that I'm no longer Mormon, I don't really have any connection to my family historically, which is bizarre. That's odd. Like, yeah. I don't really know about my family's connection. Oh, there's some, something else we can talk about sometime oh, is that um, I moved house and this summer and I went from living in the house that my mom grew up in to living in a house that I haven't lived in in about... 15 or 16 years a house mm -hmm. that I haven't seen the inside of in that whole time so where I but I do have these memories very vague memories of this house mm -hmm. so that's kind of an interesting another talking point that I might get into sometime is mm -hmm. what it was like to move and like the way that I kind of associate the house that I grew up in most is being the one that is going to get torn down this mm. year. Um, and then we just lost the house that my grandparents have lived in for 60 years. So mm. that was a big kind of emotional thing that happened this summer as well. When I was about 14 years old, I saw myself as a very non-athletic person. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was really drummed into my head by my friends, like not on purpose. They weren't trying to be malicious or anything. But, but like I also was, weren't athletic, so but, they weren't either. Well, they were, well, one, my friend saw herself as very athletic oh, okay. and very outdoorsy and ambitious in that way and I saw myself as a bit more bookish and nerdy mm -hmm. which is like not exactly true I don't really know how I see myself right now as opposed to like athletic versus not versus but I went on this camping trip and it was fucking horrible the whole time like it was miserable my rain pants were leaking every machine that we had broke including the chainsaw the boat the stove and the motorbike they all broke down Ugh. and it was miserable the whole time and it was really wet and rainy but I had a fantastic time and yeah. I really, and it really sort of changed my perception of myself. So that's something else we're going to be, in, we're going to be investigating is our perception of our own identity because you can never look at anything completely unbiased. So yeah. how accurate are our perceptions versus the reality and how perceptions that other people have of us impacts the actual identity. Like you don't perceive that you're doing something, but other people do perceive that you're doing something on purpose. Like that's been a, that was a big argument point for some relationships that I've had is mm -hmm. that like that they'd perceive like, Oh, you're doing this, you're treating me this way. But I'm like, I'm not doing anything. It's like like I, I, thought I was acting like normal, regular people do. Yeah. I'm just doing this or like, or I'd say like you, but you're acting in this way, but they don't see it that way. Right. But that's like very personal. I don't know how much I want to, well, 
it's it's a very personal podcast. Um, I'm hoping also that we can try and get some of our friends involved. I'd love to invite my partner Wake to try and talk about like their own identity because having some guests. Yeah, on. having some guests because um, they grew they are partially from New Brunswick, but they grew up in Surrey, and so there's kind of like an interesting dichotomy there, as long with as also with being LGBT and relationship with parents and stuff like that. Yeah. Like those are and art school are also also things that we have in common. I also have a friend I'd love to interview if she would like to. She is queer and Mormon and whenever I ask her about her Mormonism she says I don't know what's going to happen after we die which is interesting to me because the whole point of religion is to know what happens after you die so I think it'd be very interesting to have her on as well as a queer Mormon person who isn't sure about the afterlife yeah that'd be very interesting we have lots of friends here and I feel like as 21 year old people we are very uniquely positioned to sort of have a very influx perspective on our own identities like people who are a little bit younger than us are more certain people who are a little bit older than us are more certain but right now we're very much in a we're both very much at a period of change in our lives we're authorities on nothing and therefore authorities on this only <laughs> pretty much yeah like i feel like i know way less about art then we're also probably going to talk about art a lot because oh, so much. this is based at Emily Carr University of Art and Design. So, and we are both illustration majors that focus on comic books. Mm-hmm. So we're also going to be talking a lot about storytelling and a lot about art as practice and art as a way of life and how art invo- is involved in our lives because that's mm-hmm. something that in, is very, very intrinsic to my identity as being an artist. Yeah, and as artists, we're, in, we're pushed almost to make art part of our identity and to not have it just be a disparate part of our life. So yeah, if you'd like to join us, we'll have new episodes up kind of weekly. Kind of weekly depends on our schedule a bit because things are kind of popping off, but we're going to do our best. Yeah. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at identitytheftpodcast at gmail.com. My Instagram handle is trans.figured at Instagram. My Instagram handle is w.illo.w, so it's Willow with lots of extra steps. All right, perfect. My name is River. And I'm Sabrina. Thank you so much for giving our little teaser a listen. Have a great rest of your day.